Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today Jamie Lee Curtis returns, seeking revenge after being terrorized 40 years ago in the original Halloween. It's a David Gordon Green film, and that reminds us how good the original was and how bad all the sequels became. Plus, a look back at some of the movies that scared the ever-loving daylights out of us, as a kid and as adults. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. To pair with this Halloween and those before, we'll head down to Argentina, pairing with Alma Negra, Black Soul in Spanish. Something that this villain, Mike Myers, obviously has. And for Gary's spooky movies, we're going to pair some spooky wines. Maybe they're spooky because of what the actual juice is. (laughs) Maybe that'd be spooky. Maybe the wine is a little... Spooky in and out of the bottle. (laughs) Exactly. But first, Gary, let's talk about this um, movie. I did not see this movie. I admit, I am not a gory Halloween yeah. kind of... I don't like those scary... These are slasher of, movies. Yeah, slasher. Thank you. Know, you slasher they're movies. scary movies and... I know. love a good thriller. I love yeah. something that, that that's surprising, like A right. Quiet Place. Right. That, but this is... Yeah, these aren't cerebral. In fact, they're very stupid. In fact, <laughs> in fact, every character becomes a cliche, and that's kind of the concept of these things. Like, oh my gosh, you right. hear a noise in the bedroom. Let's all go to the bedroom. Yeah. Like, we, yeah. you know. oh, my, oh my gosh, let's... Don't go, don't go down in the basement. Yeah. Oh, let's go down in the basement. And and so the original Halloween was 1978, and that was Jamie Lee Curtis's first film. Wow. She, she became a huge star. That film made a ton of money, scared the ever-loving daylights out of me then. I've always felt that the original Halloween was one of the best, most frightening films ever made. And I recognize it in the slasher genre because it's just it's just killing people right and left, right and left. And, and, and it should be scary, and it should scare the daylights out of you. But Jamie Lee Curtis is a good actress. And these, these, Donald Pleasance was in the original. And so the remake now comes along. But to give you a little background, there have been 10 Halloween movies. Oh, my gosh. This is the 11th. Oh, my gosh. And they, Has she been in all of them? No, she's been in four or five of them. Wow. I want to say three or four or four or five, but she's been in a number of them. In fact, when she first made Halloween, the next four movies, she became what was called the Scream Queen because the next four movies, it was like Prom Night. Uh-huh. You know, I think one of them was called Prom Night. The Fog was one of them, Terror Train. You know, she just made a bunch of these bad movies, and then she finally <laughs> became a, a really good actress. But she was good, and, you know, she had her little niche. And very, very famous because of that, and probably made a ton of money. But along comes, you know, there's been so many, they became such a cliche that every time, for instance, one of the cliches is, if you're a teenage couple and you're about to have sex, you're going to die. That's one of the cliches, (laughs) and one of the constants of these kinds of films. You know, and, and, and always there are teenagers that are going off somewhere out in the woods, you know, to yeah. get away and have a party and get drunk or get stoned or whatever. So, but they're, they're all going to go down. They're all going to die. Oh, this, it's not going to happen well for them. But along comes David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green is a Texas filmmaker, and he did uh, Stronger, that uh, a film with Jake Gyllenhaal last year that mm-hmm. was really good. He did Pineapple Express, mm-hmm. which is a stoner movie that's really good. He did Our Brand is Crisis, not one of my favorite movies, um, with Sandra Bullock. But he also did, his first one was called George Washington, and it kind of put him on the map years and years ago. And he's been on my radar for years and interviewed him a few times. He's the perfect guy to do this because David Gordon Green films are all about realism. He's all about, you know, kids on the street, people's lives look real. His movies don't look like cliches. Mm-hmm. So he's you put a real director with a cliched concept and it elevates everything. 
So I'm going to say this new Halloween film is the second best Halloween you said, film. Yeah, you came home and, and yeah. you were you, you said it was actually, for what it was, yeah. was really, really good. Yeah, it was well done. She's a good actress. Mm-hmm. These are good people in it. And so the premise of the, of the new one is that he's been in prison for 40, for 40 years. And, and, of course, in the cliche, they're going to transfer him to a facility for the well, rest of his life. Of course. And so, of course, in that transfer, kind of like in... Do you see him? Huh? You never see his face. Yeah. You almost get a glimpse or two. And he's older and he has gray hair. But they keep him... I mean, But he keeps his mask. He, he has a mask. No, they pulled the mask off oh, okay. of him. And so when he, in prison, you know, mm-hmm. when you see the early scenes in prison before they transfer him, he's got shackles on. He's, you know, he's tied to a, he's shackled to a weight of like 700 pounds. He can't move. <laughs> and the camera angles around the back of his head a lot. And they talk about how evil he is and all these things. And of course, she's never moved out of the same town. And she lives in the woods by herself. Oh, my God. But she's become this paranoid person who has completely um, overstocked her home with guns and ammo. And every door is rigged. You can push a button in every room in a... And, and, you know, a screen will come down and block you out, you know, almost like a rail, almost. And, and she's got a, a hidden thing underground, kind of like in a quiet place. She's got, a, she's got the house rigged and cased he ever gets out. And she's paranoid and has no family life. And her, her daughter just, granddaughter, they all just like, oh, Grandma, when are you just going to just live? And she can't because she was terrified. And, you know, a handful of people died in the original. And, of course, he gets loose. You know, and comes starts killing everyone in town, including teenagers who are about to have sex. But it's all elevated because it looks kind of real now, mm-hmm. and it's creepy, and it's it pretty much scared me. I was kind of, I kind of wanted to take a shower after I saw it <laughs> because I don't like slasher movies, and I don't like celebrating and being a part of that whole movement. You know, there are people in our culture that's that's all they see, and they're really yeah. designed for, you know, fourteen to twenty four year old males. Mm-hmm. Uh, who go to these movies with their dates and, you know, everybody gets scared. And they make a ton of money. It opened at $77 million. Mm-hmm. It's huge. I think Jamie Lee Curtis made a big statement the other day mm-hmm. on the, on the in the media that, you know, it's the largest opening by a female mm-hmm. in the history of movies. A female lead, yeah. Female lead, mm-hmm. you know. large And, and it out, the opening outgrossed the original. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already up to about $160 million worldwide. So, and it's right. going to go and go and go because it's pretty darn good. So I... I mean, I could say a whole bunch of things about that that I that I don't like, but she's interesting because remember when she did Trading Places? Mm-hmm. She did Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. I think that was back in 1983. She was in a really bad film with John Travolta in 1985, but she was in A Fish Called Wanda, which is a great comedy. Mm-hmm. And she was in My Girl. She was the mother, I think, in My Girl in, in 91. She was in True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bill Paxton, which is, uh, and she was in Freaky Friday. She made a bunch of good movies, and she had a good career. And she's had she's been very very outspoken about about women in film and very and, outspoken and you know equal pay and and rightfully so I I think that she's become a great activist for the whole she, woman she, movement. And she kind of dropped out of acting for a while, and it's kind of nice to see her back in this. Mm-hmm. And you know she plays a grandmother, and she it's forty years later, and. She's not taking anything from anyone <laughs> and backing down. I will say one thing. So I, I interviewed her over the years a number of times. She's married to Christopher Guest, one of my favorite who human adore, beings on exactly. the planet, who created Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show, and he was in Spinal Tap and Princess Bride. But they've been married for years, and they have kids. And But she was always, 
kind of a weird diva in an interview situation. I, I was around her about a dozen times. Once she came to the television station where I was working in Dallas, she walked in with two assistants behind her and her jacket over her shoulder and just dropped it on the floor, knowing that her assistants would just pick it up right away that were 10 feet behind her. It was the oddest thing. Wow. Like, who just throws their jacket on yeah. the floor knowing somebody's some, gonna be somebody the, back there that I'm paying is going to pick it up? And was pretty much a diva leading up to the point where the camera turned on and she was fantastic interview, your best friend. Mm-hmm. As soon as that camera went off, she divaed out the done. door. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was, I was always kind of fascinated. I experienced that. that a few times when I was in Did TV you? land. And it just, it's weird. It's so, because it's just like, how completely fake are you? Yeah. And yeah. and really, you know, you see you you see two different sides of a of a personality, and you know they they know what to do when the camera goes on. You know, and I don't know her personally, so I, I'm just saying what I witnessed, and it was always weird. And we all talked about it all the time, but but in an interview, she's fantastic, yeah. just fantastic. So yeah, I like the Halloween movie, and I, you know. What can I say? It's really, it's really, really stupid. <laughs> Even the cops are stupid. The cops are really stupid. Okay, let's get to a very yeah, Halloween. <laughs> okay, so I um, found this very, very fun wine that I think is actually really appropriate. And um, we are all about Argentina right now. Gary and I are going actually after the first of the year, so we'll have lots more stories about Argentina. Um, but for this Halloween, I thought that this Alma Negra and blend would kind of fit the look and the feel of of the film it's tense it's incomprehensible much like our killer it's very it's michael myers very robust um it was this alma negra uh was started by ernesto catena it's the son of nicholas catena of catena zapata kind of one of the leading wineries really kind of um was one of the leaders in changing the face of of argentine wine and, oh so and, big time and starting to produce really really high quality but um, son Ernesto kind of is, I don't want to call him the black sheep, but he's hes kind of the, he's the bohemian. He's kind of the one that, that hasn't followed along with all of the, um, with with what everyone else in the family is Is there doing. an Ernesto in every family? There probably is. Um, <laughs> I think that that's what makes family so much fun. Yeah. Um, but he, and, and within that, he's like, he's a great polo player and he's an artist and he um, is a, you know, kind of very... It just kind of enjoys life instead of always focusing on every, you know, maybe following the family business or right. that sort of thing. But he did start this winery, I want to say maybe in 2002. And um, so it's been, he's been producing for a while um, under this Alma Negra brand. And the whole kind of concept behind the wine, as as I said, the, the meaning is black soul. It's really to kind of create to to showcase this very unusual grape that is Bonarda in Argentina. And Bonarda is kind of finally getting more play out there. It's becoming a little bit more recognized. It's not it's it's not imported a lot. There are some producers that are getting it into the US, but it's a very, very um it's a very popular grape in Argentina. It's it's something that that I will say every single vintner has in their their vineyard. I've never heard of it. And wow. it's 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 intense, it's big, it's bold, it's earthy, it's dusty. 
Um, and and I, it's it's interesting why one grape would would become the star versus another yeah. because we we think of Argentina we think of Malbec and Malbec has certainly uh, you know created a, is is a delicious grape variety that that makes really beautiful wines and but there are there are a lot of Bonarda producers and I think we're kind of starting to see more and more of that but that was kind of Nicholas's hmm. whole. Focus. I mean, pardon me, Ernesto's whole focus and creating this brand. Um, kind of the the fun thing also when you look at the bottle because I know that that Mike Myers used to have a mask. So the the um, when he first did his his packaging, he wanted this kind of mysterious mysterious kind of look. So there's a little mask on on ooh, the on the ooh. label, and you don't actually know what the there's like no technical data on the actual wine. So you don't know what the blend is. You don't know how the the kind of winemaking practices. You don't know like the how it was aged, what it was aged in, how long it was aged. You know how what kind if it was in oak. Is it new? Is it old? Is it American? Is it French? Is it Hungarian? You you kind of don't know because his whole point is that you you taste the wine, you appreciate the wine for what it is, instead of um, kind of trying to to have a predetermined right. kind of thought. So it's about a mystery. It. So it's a big mystery, and you have to solve the mystery with your palate. With your palate, and and there really is. Um, if if I I kind of like that though I. Uh, in wine world, we get very technical and we want to know, well, is it, you know, new or old oak or is it French oak? And if it's French oak, then, you know, what forest did it come from and how, what was the toast on the oak and all this kind of nonsense that really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's if you like it or not. You did this last night to me. You made a cocktail. It I wouldn't did. tell me what's in it. I did. And you put it down in front of me and said, taste this. It. And I'm like, no, tell me what's in it first. No, I just wanted It's a mystery. It. And it was really delicious. Well, because that's the other side. At the end of the day, it's if your palate enjoys it. It's it's kind of yeah. like if you know every concept of a of a film before you go in and see it. If you if you have read every single review before you actually go True. see a film, you get all these preconceived notions of right. what what it is instead of just going in there in there completely unknowing and finding something really really. Amazing, and I will say we had that experience. Totally to digress, because I did not want to go see "I Love You, Man" when we saw it at Studio Movie Grill years ago, because it was a Sunday night, and I had better things to do. And we went to see that silly movie, and we both loved that movie so much. It was a great little surprise. It was. He shreds guitar. He plays. He plays air bass. Slap in the basement. But I, I will say that in the mystery of tasting things yeah yes i'm i'm i i agree with you and the movie correlation is interesting but in front of me if you put something in front of me and say taste this if i don't know you i'll i'll do it because it's you but sometimes really? in a, but that's what the, oh I mean, if we're in a winery i'll do that well yeah. and i also think that that's that's what's so interesting i mean we're completely kind of scary, digressing which now. Fits this. well and and that's how many that's kind of a whole food movement. Yeah. I mean, how how many chefs are creating something that looks like one thing but tastes like another? That's true. We had a, a little bit of that experience, I think. Um, I think Chef Christopher Costow at Meadowood is kind of a genius in doing that because he, he doesn't necessarily create things that don't, you know, he doesn't create a, a, a hamburger and it's actually a... Uh, you know, salad. So he doesn't go that extreme, but he does create really, really beautiful food that 
that maybe you think it's going to taste yeah. one way and it actually tastes. There's kind of a opposite. misdirection going on. Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I do think that that's kind of interesting because it plays with your, it, it plays with your whole, yeah. your whole mindset. It's also why there's a, a whole movement and a, you know, wine glasses made that are black or that are blue so that you, you, when you try a wine, you don't know, you don't know what it is. Ooh, scary! And so it's it's just kind of this this whole thought that you know you just taste the wine for for what it for does what to it your is. palate yeah. instead of actually knowing you know if it's lighter, if it's dark, if it's yeah. white, if it's it red. Makes you focus too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to focus. Like when you put the drink in front of me, I'm thinking really hard. What's what is this? But it was three different things. It was three different. Yeah, things. nice and it way was to very go. tasty. It was was it three different? It was three different kinds of vodka. Wow, that was powerful. But it was it was an end of the night cocktail that was made with a few different Van Gogh vodkas. It was their Dutch caramel, their wild apple, and caramel and a little bit of vanilla. Wow, of their yes. of their um, vanilla. Okay, and I'm just going to say this more about uh, it's not Mike Myers from uh, you know. <laughs> Saturday Night Live. The killer is Michael Myers. <laughs> oh, sorry, Michael Myers in the in the movie. No, well, it's yeah. We, you call him Michael Michael, but it, the, and uh, it's played by the same guy that played the original. Oh, yeah. So he's oh, that's nice. He's, Give the man some work. Yeah, he poses a lot and he scares the daylights out of me. When we come back on Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Haley has a long list of spooky Halloween inspired wines to tell you about. And I have a list of movies that scare the daylights out of me. So think about this. What's your scariest movie of all time? And we will be right back. We love sharing our wine discoveries with you, our listeners. And one of them is called Wine Access. Yes, Gary and I love a great glass. And we found that often the best wines come from winemakers with passion, making wine in small lots from premium fruit, But often these wines are difficult to find due to limited production and availability. And that's why we want you to know about wine access. For instance, right now, they're offering the Hall 2013 Cabernet Sauvignon Coeur, C-O-E-U-R. It's from Rutherford. It's 94% cab, 6% Merlot. It's a 93-point Napa Valley, very high-end cab. And it's $70 a bottle. But you know what? It's worth it. It's it's, It's good juice. It's a great bottle for the price. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wine access is a team of wine experts taste thousands of bottles every year from well-known wineries to find hidden gems from all over the world. Wine Access only selects the very best to offer wines that we like to say over-deliver in value, tasting as though they cost twice as much. We love that. And they share the full story with you, where the wine comes from, the history of the families producing the wines, who's growing those grapes, why, why they have that passion we yeah. describe. And that's important to us as well. We want you to try Wine Access too. So we've arranged an exclusive limited time offer. You're going to get 20% off these great wines that already over deliver on price and you can order as many bottles as you like but to take advantage of this offer you must go now to our special website it's wineaccess.com slash cogill this offer won't last so order now to get this fantastic 20 percent off deal you go to wineaccess.com slash cogill that's wineaccess.com slash cogill c-o-g-i-l-l Welcome back to Kogel Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. And in the spirit of Halloween, there appears to be more and more wine labels out there. Well, I see them all the time on the shelves that seem to play up to the Halloween theme, or at least Ooh. kind of a spooky theme or a creepy Ooh. theme. Are, are you seeing this too? 
Because I see it all the time now. I, 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 creepy, yes. I, yeah. Kitschy, yes. Yes, kitschy, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm not saying uh, they're all good. Well, and that's kind of, I think that that's, that's, that's it right there. I, I we are not people. I, I'm not somebody that buys a bottle based on a label. There, no. there are a lot of people out there though that do, and there's nothing wrong with that because if they, if if you want to see something fun or interesting or bring a fun bottle to a party or you know something like that, labels sell bottles as much as the juice inside. It, it, it can be a little problematic though because often the juice inside is not really something I'd want to drink. <laughs> I'm going to make this bold bold wine statement. But if you're only looking at the label, you probably don't care that much. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, well, and they also, many of them are at a, a kind of certain price point that is very right. affordable. And hey, that's great. But And so kind of within this mix of all of this kitsch, um, there are some wines that that have very fun labels, but also have good juice inside. Oh, nice. um, one that, that we kind of like that has a whole fiery inferno scene on the front um, is, is Rabble Red. It um, is super juicy. It's, it's a red fruit or it's, you know, lots of red fruit, kind of brambly fruit notes, ju- you know, really, really fresh. It's, I want to say maybe $22 a bottle. Yeah. Um, we drank that the other night. We drank it the other night. It it's was pretty darn good. good. Yeah. Um, chronic Cellars out of Paso Robles chronic has sellers. skeletons on their, on their labels. And um, they have a kind of a fun red blend. It's Sofa King Bueno. It's um, with, a, with a skeleton on the label. Yes. Um, it has I'm going to of, a Halloween party. Oh, I want that, oh, that bottle. It's kind of dark chocolate and blackberry jam. And so I, for, for what it is, it's no. juicy, it's easy. Um, apothic red, you know, for $10, it's an uncomplicated apothic, apothic red and apothic wines, um, black cherry, you know, kind of spicy, mm-hmm. uh, ravage Cabernet. Ravage. <laughs> There's a, they're tooting jousting nights with one victorious knight on the label. And it's just very, very, you know. Spooky. Sounds Monty Python. I know. Oh, he's a ferocious bunny. <laughs> He'll know, tear your head off. It's about ten dollars, and so yeah. there. A, a lot of these wines are are not. You know, they're not the most uh, complicated in the world, but they're they're easy, and they're they're. Just something, you know, you kind of... A lot of them have that chocolate kind of flavor. There's a lot of chocolate and vanilla. And, yeah, and vanilla. And, and there's a lot yeah. of... And so my guess is there's probably a lot of of, of oak chips added to big to big vats because they're also, in order to in order to make a $10 wine in mass production, you're not aging that puppy in, French in new barrels. French oak. No, you're not. Yeah. The barrel costs more than that. Yeah. So, yeah. so but, the, you know, for what they are, they're fun. And, but and you they, mentioned they one, have good labels. You mentioned when it was called Sofa King Bueno. Yes. That's like literally Sofa King <laughs> Bueno. That is so ra- that's so randomly funny. Weird. I know, but it's a good, you know, it's out of Paso. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's I want to say maybe $24. Yeah. Um, good little wine for for what it is, and and it has a funny, like I said, the label label was intriguing. So <laughs> okay, not so funny. Can we talk about a couple movies? Okay, let's talk some scary movies. Okay, I'm in. I think I'm in college, and uh, I'm visiting. Forgive me, Haley, my girlfriend Joyce. At yes, or, at I, Oreg- I know all about Joyce at Oregon I, State we, University. We've talked about Joyce. She's before. been. I haven't seen her for years. She's married, got four kids. Uh, anyway, uh, so I'm visiting her at Oregon State University, and we go on campus to see this movie called Wait Until Dark. 
and I was too afraid to go to my car afterwards. I literally came out of my seat and screamed because there's a scene in there. It's Audrey Hepburn and, you know, it's a, it's a, and she's blind. blind? But there's a scene where, where a a bad guy leaps out at her and, you know, the whole audience comes out of their chair. It's one of the scariest movie moments of my life. There's also a 1975 film uh, called uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock. It's directed by Peter Weir. And Peter Weir's one of my favorite all-time directors, but he did Dead Boat Society. He did Gallipoli. He did Witness. He did The Truman Show. He did Master and Commander. He's, he makes really big, really cool films. He's Australian. But there's this famous story of this, of a bunch of girls in a school, in a boarding school, and uh, the school marm takes them all up into the mountains, and they go into this place called Hanging Rock and never to be seen from again ever, and it's true. And they made a movie about it. And, wow. and I, I was so creeped out after that film because it's so subtle and it's by a great filmmaker mm-hmm. that it still gives me chills when I think about it. One of the scariest scenes in a movie is in The Changeling, mm-hmm. 1980, with George C. Scott, where he's in a, and it's all shot in Seattle. And, and he's a composer and he's rented this big house, which is, of course, haunted. And at one point, he starts hearing this stuff and he, this ball keeps following him around. It's a little rubber ball, and he doesn't know how the ball is getting in the room. So he picks it up. He gets in his car. He drives out to a bridge, throws it off the bridge, comes back home, walks in, and puts his ball. coat down, looks straight up the staircase that goes straight up, up into the second level, and the wet ball bounces down <laughs> towards him. And I'm just like, oh, my God. It's the scariest bouncing ball movie ever. <laughs> And then let the right one in, and then let me in, yeah. which the Swedish one was let me in. Let, no, it's a child the, vampire movie. Yeah, let the right one in was I think yeah. the Swedish one, and, that's, and then let me in was yeah, the American, American remake. And I think they're both creepy. I I think let the right one in is so the first one. Yeah, the Swedish the one, one. Yeah, fried my hair off. Yeah, so good. Really fried my hair off. Uh, Paranormal Activity and the Blair Witch. The originals. They, they made all these bad sequels. Yeah, the originals really. The original creeped me Blair Witch was was very. Oh, snot coming out of her nose, yeah. and you've got a flashlight up. Your Freaky. face, yeah, and you're in the woods. Well, and, and it's interesting because I use my flashlight when I'm walking home from work sometimes, yeah. and I kind of start, you know, you start scanning, and I'm like, "Ooh, it's my start little Blair, Blair Witch." You get Blair Witch. Yeah, they're 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 actually the both originals were good. Yeah. Uh, Jane Fonda made a film with Dylan Sullivan, and this is not a horror movie, but it scares me, and it's brilliant. And she won the Oscar, I think, for it. But it's called Clute, and it's 1991, and she's she's a prostitute who's being stalked. And Donald Sutherland's a cop who comes and stays in her apartment to keep her safe. And she is being stalked. And it's really creepy. And it's a brilliant, high-level film. I'm not going to put it in these slasher movies. We Loved a Quiet Place Mm -hmm. with John Krasinski Mm -hmm. and Emily Bunt, who wrote and directed that film. And they're married and starred in it. That film did over $300 million. Made for, I think it cost like $17 million. Mm -hmm. It really... If I was going to rent any movie that I hadn't of these that I hadn't seen and it's new, I'd rent the Quiet yeah. the Quiet Place. Yeah, it'll creep you out. It's really good. The all time scariest movie of all time. It is not even any competition. It's The Exorcist, and it came out in 1973 with Linda Blair and Ellen Burstyn and Max von Sydow. The power of Christ compels you. The power <laughs> of Christ compels you. And then her head spinning. Yeah. She spits guacamole and. <laughs> Your mother, your mother sucks dirty socks, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And it's vulgar and vile and violent, and it's relentless. And it, this is a William Friedkin film. And William Friedkin, this film was up for the Oscar for Best Picture. That's how good it is. And at one point, you know, a lot of these movies will have a scene or two of comic relief where they're stupid. There's not a stupid, yeah. lighthearted 
comedy relief moment in this movie. You are so wound up halfway through, and then they start just beating you down with yeah. the exorcism. And oh, there's a creepy scene where there's a recording on a cassette, and they play it back of just these scary sounds, and it it creeps me Is out. That yeah, I left the lights on for three days. Literally, I could only see it in the daytime. I saw it a week after it opened with some friends from church. <laughs> we were, you know, we're all having these discussions about exorcisms and <laughs> demon possession. And man, it just, it's the scariest movie. Have you ever seen it all the way uh, through? No. I, I, Would you watch it no, with me? No. No, thank you. Thank you. No. <sighs> no, thank you. No, well, thank you. I, but I, you know, I, uh, yeah. No, yeah. No, no I, I understand. All right. Uh, but you, but you, you know, you've watched a lot of these films. I've seen pretty yeah. much everything. Yeah, everything else. Yeah, the Exorcist is on. On just yeah, that's just not my thing. I wasn't an, like a again. I'm not like an Amityville horror. I'm not like a all the all the Freddies and the yeah. Jasons. And that's just yeah. not my. There's too many good movies out there. I do love a good thriller though, and I love a good vampire movie. You're a vampire freak. I am. You turned me on to uh, it was the the series. That was shot in, in True Blood. True Blood. Oh, I love True Blood. You're a vampire. Girl. I am. I love a good vampire. Give me you, Lost Boys any day. You know, uh, Coppola's Dracula was mm-hmm. a good film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the film I think it could have been. On a scale of ten, I think it's an eight out of ten. And but it's got some frightening moments when when they come down to that chamber and grab that child and. Well, there's some really, really creepy stuff in there. And despite uh, Keanu Reeves trying to ruin that film, <laughs> you know, that's probably the big issue in that film. Yes. But uh, uh, but these are all legitimately good films, scary films. The Changeling, Picnic at Hanging Rock, Wait Until Dark, Clute, Quiet Place, The King is The Exorcist. Yes, that's a good, yes. Yeah. Have, have, that, that's, go, go watch The Exorcist. So that's I've fun. never since then been able to watch it all the way through by myself, even since. Yeah. And it's been... That was 1973. You're so funny. I am funny. Next time on Kogel Wine and Film, more great films either in theaters or on demand, along with wines and pairings that we like to say are worthy of celebration. (laughs) We'll have more on the films from today on our blog, kogelconsulting.com. Link through our Facebook page to follow us. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Kogel and to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Kogel and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Kogel, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. Aloha.